Welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Hey, so today we have a great podcast set up for you. We've got How awesome special, is this? This is amazing. It's awesome. This is amazing. We've got a special guest in the studio right now. It is the Sheriff of Hamilton County, Dennis Quakenbush. Sheriff, thank you for joining us today. So glad to have you. Yeah, we just we, we want to dive in and just, you know, talk about what the sheriff does and all the things that make you know, life interesting. I for don't you. think most people totally understand the sheriff's role. Just being honest with you, I mean I got my education on Dukes of Hazard, Roscoe Pico trained, so for those of us who do not know exactly how the sheriff works, we're going to need some enlightenment. Yeah. So, sheriff, so tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became the sheriff of Hamilton County. Well, Micah, thanks uh, for having me here. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you guys and kind of a uh, little bit more about the office of sheriff and our role here in Hamilton County and and what we're doing to kind of keep Hamilton County safe. Um, I, I'd like to start kind of back in England uh, in the in the ninth century where really the role of the sheriff and even the name itself uh, gets its start. And so um, the reeve was the defender of the shire. And uh, at that time, that person was selected by the serfs to represent uh, them to the king. And so really the defender of that shire was the sheriff, Shireef. And that's where the, the name comes from and kind of the history of where the sheriff really got started. That's awesome. And in those days, if they were picked by the serfs who worked f- essentially for the king, essentially the king had control over the, the, the defender of the shire. So if the king wanted to do something in the shire, all he had to do is, is pick his, his sheriff and say, hey, I want you to treat these people kind of uh, maybe unfairly or unjustly. And so, so then we had uh, something that happened called the Magna Carta. And so the Magna Carta happened, and that kind of, if correct me if I'm wrong, Sheriff, but that, didn't that, that kind of turn things on its head um, for the, with, with the sheriff and, and uh, how the sheriff was, was picked at that point? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Magna Carta was actually written in cooperation with 14 sheriffs, and it was really there uh, to put a limitation on government. And of the 63 clauses in the Magna Carta, 27 directly relate to the office of sheriff. Uh, and many of those clauses tie directly into our constitution that we have today. Wow, that's, ama- that's amazing. You know, a lot of people don't know that the our founding fathers had founding fathers, and it was the Magna Carta era that they looked to in a lot of ways to help English establish. English common law. Yeah, yeah, English common law. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And, a quick fun fact, George Washington's father was one of the first sheriffs in, in the United States. Oh, that's cool. No yeah, it's awesome. Um, it, what I love about the sheriff um, is that you don't answer to anybody except the people and the constitution. Whereas the police chief is appointed by the mayor and the superintendent of the state police is appointed by the governor. So these are essentially political offices. And if the mayor or the governor wants to do something that maybe is unconstitutional, well, he's got control over some high level law enforcement officials, but the sheriff and this is why I think our founders were so incredible. Amazing. They, they said, hey, we can't have every law enforcement officer being a political activist, essentially, right? right. And so they created your position. Yeah, and, and the sheriff is really the only constitutional law enforcement officer. Uh, uh, my role is really to go back to that history, is to look out for the people, to stand up for the Constitution, to try to help restrain evil and protect those who are weak. 
there's um there's a clause and I think it's in I don't know if it's in every state constitution um how it's written but in a lot of states I know it it says that the constitution it says the sheriff may carry out warrants and arrest it says may carry them out it doesn't have to carry them out the the sheriff can use their discernment and discretion when a warrant is issued because you have to go and you got to find your deputies go and they got to find the serve warrants and and arrest people and and you but you ultimately have discretion over who gets to be arrested if if there's a warrant that comes across your desk and it's like man that's not constitutional you can just say i'm not going to do it right sure really related to anything if if it doesn't pass that constitutional muster that is really the standard that we're looking for uh, as as a sheriff and we have unique roles that are outside of those uh, of of the normal police department for instance the the jail uh, protecting the courts uh, civil process uh, you mentioned warrants, the sex offender registry. There are things that we are doing in every one of our communities in Hamilton County to help keep them safe, and those roles are outside of what your local law enforcement office ha- does. That's cool. Um, you, you you talk about kind of looking at the Constitution there, and um, one of the things that happened in 2020, and I, I just I I gained uber respect for you when this it's happened. Absolutely, uh, it was amazing. But we had Governor Holcomb, who is a nice man. I I don't dislike Governor Holcomb, but I think he stepped outside the bounds of his constitutional authority back in, I think it was July of 2020. And he, he made a statement from his office that he was going to um, issue a, um, an executive order that was going to make class B felons um, out of people who wouldn't wear their masks in public or um, who um, you, you could, you could essentially, you could have gone to jail for, I think 180 days or a thousand dollar fine, which it was a, a class B misdemeanor, I should say is what it was. And, and, and I looked at that when that happened, I said, Oh my gosh, like you can't, the executive branch can't write law. I mean, they can't. The executives, that's not how it's set up to work. The system, it it strictly forbids the executive branch from writing law. Mm-hmm. But here you have an executive branch that's writing law and making lawbreakers. And so um, what when when that happened, you did something pretty cool. Why don't you walk us through that process and kind of what, what you thought of that whole thing and, and what you did in response to that? Sure. Well, um, you hit the nail on the head. There's separate and equal branches of government, and they have certain responsibilities. And so the legislative branch legislates, and the uh, um, executive branch carries out those orders. But when you have one branch of government uh, that is both making and enforcing the law, well, then you, then you have a problem with the Constitution. And, and really, that was the gist of it, uh, the idea that we were going to uh, – arrest and make criminals out of eight-year-olds for not wearing a mask is just uh, completely uh, ridiculous in my mind anyway. But notwithstanding, I don't necessarily always agree with the law, uh, but we have to go through the right process and the right procedures to make them. That's right. And then you, um, one of the things that happened if, with that story is you kind of came out with a public statement and said, we're not going to enforce this. We can't enforce we, really Honestly, I didn't even think your statement was an indictment on the governor as much as it was just saying, hey, we don't have the authority to break the Constitution. So, so we, we can't do this. It's not like we won't or we, we don't want to. It was like we can't because we have not been given that authority. You were looking at it from a, a great authority perspective. Absolutely. It, it, it was yeah. my office on the line if we were out, you know, pulling soccer moms off right. of the bleachers or what have you uh, and, and 
and because this order we didn't believe was uh, created in the right way to make it a criminal offense, uh, it wasn't something that we were going to enforce. Yeah, oh, that was great. And then you you issued a statement. I think within a few hours, there was probably a dozen or so other sheriffs from around the yeah. the, the ninety two counties in Indiana that said, "Hey, we agree with That's right. with Sheriff Quakenbush." Um, it took tenacity. It, it was awesome. It was amazing because he was your first first one out there. Yeah. Well, and I, I was really glad to see that the governor changed his mind and yep. changed the order. And yeah. so when it, when it came out in print. Uh, uh, made that so it wasn't a criminal offense. It was something that was more of a recommendation. uh, An educational type of thing. Which is completely appropriate. Said it all all along throughout COVID, the government should have been giving us recommendations and not mandates. And that's and and I think what you did there was awesome. It actually made it actually made national news. I'm sure you probably didn't make some friends in the governor's office, but you but you you did what was right and and it could it I mean you you even um, alluded to the fact that like it, when we were having this conversation back in July that there were some people that weren't very happy with <laughs> with your statement and what you made but you looked at it and you said listen I, I've got to do what what's right I can't I can't go against my constitutional um, uh, oath that I took and what a win for checks and balances it was yeah. it was amazing and, and and for the brilliance of those who set up our system yeah that's and I think that 2020 if anything was an incredible year for constitutional case studies. <laughs> it really was. I, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Well, kind of, you know, turning the corner here, I, we want to get your take, Sheriff, on just, you know, different issues that many sheriffs around the country are dealing with. Um, we, we, we talk about guns a lot in law enforcement, you know, the anti-gun uh, movement is saying, hey, we've got to get guns off the streets. Uh, here in Indiana, we have red flag laws, which would, which um, we'll talk about that here in a second, but then even gun sanctuary cities. What is, what's your take on the second amendment and, and the problem, quote unquote, with guns? Um, and, and how do you see red flag laws, sanctuary cities? I mean, just kind of walk us through that as as the highest law enforcement officer. Where where do you stand on those issues? Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of topics that you hit on there, but uh, fundamentally, the Second Amendment is a, a God-given fundamental right of the people. Uh, it's an individual right to protect yourselves and to protect others, uh, but also to stand up to a government should that ever need to happen. And so uh, that it, it's very straightforward. Uh, that's been reinforced time and time again by decisions of the Supreme Court. And that's just it. It's an individual fundamental right to protect yourself and to protect your state. That's good. What do you think of red flag laws? So uh, red flag laws uh, have gotten a lot of attention nationally. And, and there's certainly a lot of concern there, uh, particularly when you start trying to um, define mental illness and what that looks like. And so it is certainly a concern of mine. I think the state has done a lot of great things here in Indiana. Uh, we've had uh, the Jake Laird Law. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with the Laird family, uh, and, and he is certainly a hero, Jake, uh, Jake was. And um, we've done a lot of things here to add more due process into that uh, system. And so really that is the the constitutional issue there is making sure that somebody has due process when the government is stepping in. And for those who don't know, red flag laws are laws that basically say, hey, so-and-so is a threat. You can you can call the law enforcement, um, the sheriff's department, and say, hey, I believe my neighbor's a threat. Um, it, there's a red flag. There's some sort of red flag that has that basically said he might take his guns and do something unlawful with them. Red flag laws give law enforcement the ability to go in and t- and take his guns from him. D- disarm him while they figure out the process. 
which to a lot of Second Amendment supporters, we look at that and like what you just said earlier, we can't, st- we got to have due process. You have to have a way to protect somebody's freedoms without, with, um, and, and still keep the community safe. That's kind of yeah, the rock, be, the rock in a hard sure. place, right? And so, um, and so, so what's some of the due process kind of steps that at least Indiana has, has added? Yeah, th- there are time limits uh, on when those things need to be reviewed. Uh, our office, for instance, the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office won't go into your home and take your guns unless that has been re- reviewed by a judicial officer ahead of time. Uh, once those are taken, uh, there's a very short time window that the prosecutor has to present that, uh, and and then you have a right to come in and hear the evidence and make an argument for that that particular case. And so these aren't like long term. We're taking your guns forever type things without you having a chance to answer for it. Uh, but uh, I think Indiana has done a lot in this area that other states sh- should look at. Uh, but we could do more, I think, with with due process for sure. It's definitely different in the way that Biden is writing his proposal that you know hasn't passed yet. There's a June 7th NRA uh, article that uh, Mike and I were looking over today. I mean, they want to give it to healthcare professionals. They want to give the opportunity to to uh, even the schools to disarm. Like, yeah, yeah. To, to, if if my kid got in trouble or they were he had anybody from school who would say something according to the way that the Biden law is is currently being proposed they could take all my they could take my guns because I have yeah. them in my house and he could potentially have access to them and then there's even a, a thing where they're talking about in perpetuity they can enforce it up to a year and then do it in perpetuity. There's like no due process <laughs> at all. We were reading it like how could this possibly make it through any judicial, uh, you know, review. I'm sure, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I think the Supreme Court would shoot that down in an instant. And I tell my liberal friends, I say, listen, if you you hate guns so much and you want to take our guns, well, you have to amend the Constitution first. You cannot go about, because if you, if we can amend, my only issue with red flag laws is I feel like it's a little bit of an amendment on the Constitution. That's the, and I feel like if we can make a law that amends the Constitution, well, we can do that with any, with, with anything. Why, why have the Constitution in the first place? That's my only concern. Uh, I, yeah. I don't disagree yeah. with you because fundamentally we're taking a gun from somebody who has not committed any sort of crime. Right. And, and that's really, really the issue yeah. there. Now, yeah. there, there is uh, evil in this world, and I have been in situations uh, where for a short period, like temporary uh, situation, a gun has needed to be taken uh, just to protect the officer's Every, yeah. lives and that person's life. But but anytime you have the government stepping in to do that, it is of such a concern mm-hmm. because, you, like you said, you you just, uh, it, could, it could go a long way, yeah. right? You, you know, you could... Well, in, in a lot, 2020 has shown us that the government will take a lot of liberties away for the sake of community safety, right? Absolutely. Before anybody checks their power, right? Mm-hmm. How many how many people have we heard that have said the Constitution is above my pay grade? Yeah. You know? And uh, that, Phil, and, Phil yeah. Murphy, the yeah. governor out in New Jersey, and, said that. And they're supposed to swear an oath to protect <laughs> it. You might want to read it, Phil. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it always seems like the the law they they seem to want to enact it before then you could go through the review to go, hey, you can't do yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is why that's why a lot of us who are real passionate about the Second Amendment 
fight for every single inch of it because people say, well, you don't care about safety over here. You don't really, you don't, you don't want to do something that's, that's just reasonable. They paint us as unreasonable. It's because we know how this works. And we're going to, you know, it's not that we don't want to be reasonable. It's that we know what you do. You take, you give an inch, they take a mile. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to fight so hard to protect everything. I, th- I think there's a misunderstanding at times uh, about what police think about guns. And, and we're the first ones to say we can't be everywhere. We mm. cannot protect everyone. We need armed citizens who are, are responsible, who are safe, uh, standing up and defending one another. We're, we're paid full time to do what is respons- the responsibility of every single one of us, Amen. and that's that is awesome. to look out for our neighbor. I love that. I, I think that's the point of the Constitution was the, the founders said, government cannot be your parent and it cannot be your ultimate protector. It can help, but we are the first line of defense when it that's comes right. to our defense and our family's defense, raising our kids. And, and that's why we have the Second Amendment. And, and I think that has gotten so... We have looked at the government now in, in America in 2021. We see the government more as like our, our defender, our savior, which is so far off base from where I believe the Lord initially like ordained it to be and where our founders set it up to be. And so, so I think I, what you saying that is amazing. I, I think about churches, you know, Nathan and I are pastors at Life Church. Um, you know, we have three campuses in, in Hamilton County and Marion County. And, and we, I, as much, as awesome as you, your deputies are sheriff and you are, we know that you can't be at our church service every Sunday. And what happens if someone comes in and wants to shoot our kids and our wives? It's like, We've got, you know how many guns are on our property every Sunday? It's amazing when you start counting them, and I feel safe because of it. Well, we did an active shooter training a number of years ago, and then we just looked at the numbers of what's the response time by the time that police officers can get there. There's a lot of dead people, potentially, mm-hmm. at the end of that. And so, you know, uh, I, I don't think that a church, I, I know there's a lot of churches that say, hey, you're not going to carry on our premises. I'm exactly the opposite. You, you know, you have a constitutional right to do it. Now you have to bear responsibility for what you do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, any given Sunday morning, I'm probably caring. Yeah. Um, and and the, re- the reason is, is because, hey, I would love to think that the police are going to get there to stop it from ever happening. But, you know, we saw the video of the... Oh, down in Texas? Uh, yeah, down in Texas, man. That man saved lives. Yep. And instantaneously being able to respond and... Um, you know, I we think have you, you have to you have to start thinking of yourself as a sheepdog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have those stickers at all of our campuses that says we are proud concealed carry lawful carry premises here. So if you want to bring a gun on the property and you can do it lawfully, you've got your concealed carry. Bring it. In in our <laughs> training, they said that um, you know predators are looking for prey. They're not looking for other predators. And many times, you know, they're scoping out a place before they would ever hit it mm-hmm. to see, is this is this a people that are disarmed? Is this going to be easy? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to come to Life Church. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> sure. And, and certainly those types of people are looking for easy targets. They're looking mm-hmm. for gun-free zones or, or places where they can... Uh, carry out whatever their will is without being confronted. Mm-hmm. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It, the seconds really matter in those instances. And unfortunately, police are minutes away a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you kind of 
transitioning here to kind of the political aspect of the sheriff here. This is something that I, 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 I love kind of the political world. Nathan and I, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't like politics. But you, you run for election. You were a, dep- a deputy before you were sheriff. What you got two in Indiana, you've got two terms, which is eight years, so two four year terms. Um, what is you're not real old, so you're gonna run again here. We got an election coming up in May. Um, in and I would highly encourage you to check out Sheriff Quakenbush. I, I think he's done an awesome job. I'm voting for him. So check him out in May. You'll run in the general then if you win the primary in, in November. Another four years. Well, will I, you're young. If you, After the second term, God willing, will you step down out of sheriff and go back to being a deputy with a new sheriff that comes in? Wouldn't that create – I mean, you're not a guy that strikes me as having ego trips, but it's got to be tough to say, okay, I was the, this guy's boss for eight years, and now this guy's my boss stepping back into just being a deputy. How does that work in the sheriff's world, and do you find the egos get kind of out of hand sometimes, or is it pretty is it pretty even keel? Yeah, it's interesting working for a department where every four to eight years that there, there is a political um, – uh, an election, and, and that election uh, determines who your boss is going to be for that next four years. So it, it is an interesting dynamic. Um, my motto has always been treat everyone with respect, uh, treat everybody fairly, and just do the right thing, and then you won't have any issues. But um, I'm, I'm not really too worried about that. We're focused on uh, May uh, in 2022. We'd love to have your support and your vote for all those uh, listeners out there. Um, I'm, I'm asking you to come out. Push the button for Quakenbush. Push for Quakenbush has been kind of our slogan cool. all along. And um, yeah, please, please get out and vote. Yeah. It's very important. And and really, he can't emphasize that enough. The sheriff is probably one of the most crucial elections you can you can vote in in our entire in our entire nation because they are the last line of defense for um, us versus tyranny, essentially. And that's why our founders set it up so that they they answer to you, the people. The voter and and the Constitution; those are the only two things that they answer to, and and it keeps us safe when you have good constitutional sheriffs uh, in place. I, I'll, I'll be honest; I did not know that. Not until this last thing that happened with with the governor over the over the masks, I did not realize how that was built. I must have fallen asleep during civics that day, right? <laughs> but I'm just telling you that that made a lot of difference to me. I mean, people; I think vast majority of us uh, can become confused on the rules, mm-hmm. and that is. That's a so, that's a powerful thing to know. So let's ask this question to our listeners: um, If the sheriff ever gets out of hand, I mean, you're the highest law enforcement official in the in the county uh, per our founding fathers' uh, system that they they created. If you ever go off the rails, okay, and not to say you will, not that I, you I lead a pretty quiet <laughs> life, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just take let's let's step out into California for a second. So those sheriffs sure. out there, yeah, <laughs> Sheriff X out in California who doesn't know the Constitution, if it would hit him in the face with a with a two by four, um, the if they step off out of the rails, who can arrest you? Yeah, according to the Indiana uh, Indiana law and Constitution, the coroner is the only one that can arrest the sheriff. Now, can the coroner arrest anybody else? Uh, that is a really good question. I don't believe so. I don't so. think he can. Um, I, I, he I can. know he does have some criminal investigative ability, but yeah. no, I don't believe he can arrest so, so anyone else. Yeah. Can you arrest the coroner? 
Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. So you could get into a situation. I, if John's family. listening out there, I love you, brother. <laughs> founding fathers thought this through. I arrest you. No, no. I arrest you. No, I arrest you. <laughs> I think it's huh. me. I think at that point it's the Wild West, and whoever can draw fastest wins. Oh, wow. Aaron Burr and uh, Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton style. Yeah. Uh, no, that's funny. Isn't that amazing though? That um, in in the the coroner actually has to deal with the the crown is where they where they get the the name coroner, the concept of the coroner, and and being close to the king and, and this idea that, hey, there's there's going to be accountability even for the top law enforcement official in a county. They still have to be held accountable. And Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, the heart is wicked above all things, and so none of us are above reproach. And so we all should be held accountable. There should be checks and balances for every single one of us, and I think that's a pr- fundamental principle of our government. Yeah. Well, I think that's an awesome point. That I'm, 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 I know you're a man of faith. You can hear it because it's coming out of your mouth. You know the the scriptures, but the Constitution is built on the fact that that the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It goes fundamentally against the mentality that all people are innately good. It says no, we're not. We, we really are. That that we are innately bad. And if you look at like. Take, take a look at the French Revolution. They were following the thought of Voltaire mm-hmm. that everybody's innately good. Well, what did that get them? You know, that what what happened in America and and what happened in France, very, very vitally different. But ours was based on the truth of scripture. Theirs was based on philosophy of of what of you know man. A, a, of man just and and what was that day the the predominant thinking of of these uh people i i think that to know that we're all given to need accountability to need to answer to somebody it just it, it brings back oh you know really fathers and people in our life that we're um we're yielding to the bible talks so much about submitting and we live in a world that kind of shakes its fist. I mean, there's even logos right now. Mm-hmm. It's a, the raised fist. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, every time I, I, I run into a police officer, here's what I've modeled for my children. I walk up to him and I, hey, thank you for serving our community. You know, uh, if, if we could buy lunch for, for a group of officers, we try to do that. Just so my children know, I submit to that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get pulled over, you know, and it has happened. I'm going to declare, hey, you know, and it's not that this is what you have to do. I know a lot of Second Amendment guys are like, I would never do that. Personally speaking, I know that officer wants to get home at night to his family. Mm-hmm. And he bears that sword, not in vain. He he bears it. He's an officer uh, anointed just as much as I'm called in the ministry by God. He's called in the ministry to help to, to, to help serve and and uh, and and protect us and and to make sure that there's peace but i i declare my weapon officer i i i am carrying i'm gonna you know before i make any moves what do you want me to do because i don't want to make you nervous and uh and i just want you to know i'm submitted to you now right do you now. tell him that before or after you take your radar detector out of the i dash? don't have a radar detector <laughs> right but but i i go through that process and i watch those officers respond to me and all i've Ever, you know, it's only happened a couple times, but I've had them go, okay, hey, man, just relax. No, no worries, <laughs> right? And I'm like, hey, if it makes... I'm not saying that this is what you have to do. It's just what I choose to do. Yeah. I've even offered them, hey, 
if how do you, however you want to deal with this, I'm willing to submit to yeah. you. And I I think that there that that you know that is reciprocated because they realize you know if you if you're a, a concealed weapons carrier, you're one of the most law-abiding citizens that there that there is. Yeah. And I think police officers. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but largely you guys are trained to look for the segment of the community that's not obeying the law. You're not looking to, to punish or go after those that are willing to submit to whatever. We make mistakes, but but you're not out to punish us. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think you, you just said basically right out of Romans 13, right? Like we're here to for, for those who are good. And if you uh, do what is right, you don't have to be afraid of the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how can we pray for you, um, your deputies, um, law enforcement in the in the community? What's or and just like you know, if there's a simple just kind of prayer, like, hey, you guys deal with this a lot, or right now you're dealing with this, because we want to lift you up in prayer. We believe prayer is the most powerful thing we can do right now in our world, or always in our world. But what how how can we pray for you? Yeah, um, and and I'm glad you brought up too. Uh, you know, it is definitely not just me. I represent. Uh, the sheriff's office, but we have over 240 men and women who have dedicated their lives really to keeping Hamilton County safe. Uh, and they wake up uh, every day with a passion for just that. And we certainly covet your prayers. Um, there is evil in this world, and, and you don't have to go far to find it. Uh, you look at the front page of the news or the national news media and see everything that's going on, on and it is not just uh, a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle. Yeah, so if you could just right. uh, pray for our officers, we would certainly cover Yeah, this. absolutely. Hey, why don't we just pray right now? Is that cool? And, yeah, as and, we're wrapping and I w- up? Yeah. yeah, I would like to ask this one yeah. other question because I know that it's a heavy burden for spouses of of police officers. They also have to think about whether they're, you know, their their husband or their wife is coming home that night. Mm-hmm. Is is there anything else that you could let us in on just as we pray for spouses as well? Yeah, absolutely. It is certainly a family uh, calling, if you will. And our spouses worry about us when we're out in the middle of the night trying to, you know, uh, protect our communities and they understand that we're going we're there taking risks uh we're willing to die for others and uh and i think that that is a tough burden for those families to carry oftentimes yeah. uh the things that we see on a daily basis and then when we take that home to our families is uh something that our spouses also carry those burdens as well. Yeah. So thanks for, yeah. for, thanks yeah. for mentioning that. Well, let, me, let me pray if that's yeah. okay. And then, and then we'll, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Father, thank you for uh, just being an uh, amazing God, first and foremost, that has created a, a system of government here. You've anointed uh, our founders to create what they did. You've walked us through the, the process of making a more perfect union, Lord. And we pray right now specifically for those law enforcement officers. As you said in Romans 13, they're out to, to be your ministers of good. You're, they're out to minister on behalf of what you have set up and ordained as good and righteous in this world. And, and Lord, I pray specifically for our, our deputies um, in Hamilton County and in Marion County, Lord, that they would just be protected, that you would set your angels all around them, um, that you would cover them, that you would give them wisdom and discernment. Lord, let the angels of heaven guard them as they are guarding us, Father. And we pray for the spouses and the kids, Lord, that more more than anything, God, just, just keep them safe, protect them, bless them. Lord, let your favor rest upon our community. Let your favor rest 
impressed upon these leaders. Um, and specifically, thank you for sh- the leadership of uh, Dennis uh, Quakenbush. And Lord, I just pray you bless him, direct his paths. And um, thank you for what you're doing here in our in our community that we live, that we get to live in such a beautiful, awesome um, uh, city. And, and Lord, we just ask that you continue to pour your favor out and blessings out upon us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Sheriff Quakenbush. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to supporting you in the in the spring and the fall, and and uh, we'll see. You. Is there a website that we can go to? Yeah, uh, sheriffdennisquakenbush.com. If you'd like to sign up to uh, keep in touch with our campaign, we'd love to have you do that. Awesome, great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah, and I'm Nathan. We talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That's scary. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>